Okay, so Mother's Day. Janie asked me to talk on uh, the process of parenting. But not so much, I'm, gonna, I'm not really going to give you tips on good parenting, it's more about the process. Um, whether you're a mother or a father today, you'll know that it's not something that you are instantly good at. No matter whether you've had good parenting experience yourself or not, it's a process and it takes some work. So this morning I want to share that process that I went through as I became a good mother. I say that because, and I instantly feel awkward obviously because I'm English and we never, we never show off, do we? But actually if I don't, then I'm, I'm not saying what God's done in my life. So I am a good mother by the grace of God. Yes. So I'm going to give you... <laughs> so I'm just going to go through the process that I went from where I started not even wanting to be a parent, to having a measure of success in it, and the key things that I think were important to me. So as I'm talking about this, I want you to think about something challenging that you're facing at the moment. Not something that you want to get out of, but something that you need to succeed in or succeed through. might be a challenging situation at work, which is what I've got and many of us have got. Challenging things at home, finances, relationships, your health, Whatever that is, a challenging situation is an opportunity to grow closer to God, to know him better in it, and to know breakthrough. And by breakthrough, we want success, whether that's improved finances or health or relationships. Whatever it is that we're in, we want to know peace as well as success, however that's measured, even though it's a challenge. So I want to share some tips about how I overcame the challenging of parenting challenge of parenting, and hopefully you can use those ideas in whatever it is that God's prodding you about right now. In order to tackle something new, we need to or change something about ourselves or our thought processes, we first of all need to go to God, obviously. Otherwise, we'll think it through ourselves, and that's not going to end very well. Why do I say that? Well, because then if we don't go to God, we rely on ourselves our own thought processes, we can absorb lies that have been said to us in the past, or, like me, come to logical conclusions that aren't actually in line with what God thinks. Let me explain. Um, As a child, when I looked around my family, every adult relationship, and I mean every, and I had quite a large family, every adult relationship was either divorced or was heading that way. In fact, my grandparents divorced a few months after Tim and I got married. So it was logical, no lies were said over me, it was logical to, to conclude that my family weren't very good at long-term relationships. It was evident, it was obvious. So I logically decided that marriage was not a good thing, my family weren't very good at it, therefore I wasn't going to do it. When I looked at my parenting experience, I was definitely loved, definitely brought up to the best of my mum's abilities, and probably better than her own experiences, but... Honestly, it wasn't good enough. I was left with um, hurt and unhelpful attitudes that I needed to work through later with God. So logically, I thought I probably may not bother being a parent either. I was perfectly happy with that. I wasn't like, poor old me. I just thought, mm, well, I'm not good at that. If I you know, want to plan a good life, I probably won't do those things. 
Now, nobody said over me, you are not going to be a good parent, you'll be a rubbish wife or something. I just looked at the circumstances logically and decided that was what it was. But when I became a Christian, I knew that God wanted lots for me, lots of really good things, and that I could succeed in anything that he wanted me to succeed in. And if God wanted marriage or parenting for me, I knew that I could succeed because of God. Um, I really like this quote that um, is from Hudson Taylor. Josh, if you wouldn't mind putting out. And this is what I thought about marriage or parenting when I thought about it. There are three stages to every great work of God. First it's impossible, then it's difficult, and then it's done. So that's what it was when I looked at it. It looked like really impossible, but it isn't. What I talk about this morning, I'm going to kind of structure it in four ways. Joshua. The kind of process I decided when I looked back was the character of God, the nature of God's word, getting into God's presence, and being with God's people. Quite impressive, isn't it? Don't need to go to Bible college to. The first one, God. The nature of our salvation. One of the first steps to me overcoming negative attitudes or wanting to move forward was just thinking about God himself. Joshua, you put the next verse up. Romans 5, 6 to 11. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This kind of came up in the worship, didn't it? Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath? through him. Actually, I don't really need to preach this morning, do I? It's just brilliant. God chose us whilst we were completely unaware of him, selfish, and following our own agenda. And at that point, he chose us. Not when we're okay. Not when we're all nice and spruced up and sorted. Like it's already been said during worship, we don't need to be hide, hide or pretend we've got it all sorted. God loves us at our worst. And if we do absolutely nothing to please him, we won't be loved any more than we were at that point of salvation. He has a plan, not us. And if he had that plan, that amazing plan of salvation, of saving us when we were so far away from him, if he had that plan, how, can, how much can he be trusted? Surely it's worth taking a risk with anything God might say for our potential good. And what are the odds that him in his plan will do a better job than we have for ourselves? So when I thought about that, it took me a while to trust God, because to be honest, with my background, I needed to keep things quite tightly held together, since I didn't have a brilliant example around me. So I succeeded because I was self-motivated and controlled and had everything buttoned together. And it was a big thing for me to trust God, to know that actually my salvation was down to him, not to me. So if I blew it, it wouldn't matter because God was in control, not me. And God doesn't change his mind. He's always right the first time round. He doesn't make mistakes. Some other brilliant verses I found helpful. Psalm 139. Lots of you. It's probably a favourite with you as well. For you created me in my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. 
My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. In the next one, Joshua, please. No. Oh, what did I say? John 1, 12 to 14. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born, not of natural descent, nor of a human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. It is such a, an important truth for me that God chose us. I'm sure it is for you as well. Some people know that they weren't actually planned as babies. I was told that. My mum, in an ideal world, wouldn't have got pregnant. And back in the 60s, had she had the option, would have had an abortion. I, that didn't make me feel bad. I just knew that, you know, she wanted to travel the world and couldn't. How amazing it is then that God, I was God's plan A, and so are you. There's, we're not here by mistake. We don't have the character and the attributes that we have by mistake. It's all down to God. If you've got some ideas of how we should live our lives, I think it's a good idea to find out what those ideas are and give them a whirl. And even though I decided I probably wouldn't be a good parent, I knew that God could be trusted. And if I did have children, he'd help me be good at it. So when I wavered, when I thought, oh, goodness me, I used to remind myself of God, about God's qualities. He's good, therefore he's going to do good in my life. Therefore, it's going to be okay. Jesus in Mark eleven twenty two said, have faith in God. Hudson Taylor, who is, was a missionary to China, said, Maybe that should be translated not so much as have faith in God as hold on to the faithfulness of God. The first one, have faith in God, puts emphasis on us and makes me feel a bit, have I got enough faith? But holding on to the faithfulness of God is brilliant because God's faithful and all I have to do is hold on to him and he can do us good. Another thing that really helped me was God's word. It's a real support when we are needing to shift a mindset or move into new territory. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Almost a cliche this verse because it's always, always said, isn't it? But it's true. Jesus used scripture to explain and tell people off. So it's a good idea for us to depend on it as well. The whole flavour of the Bible is brilliant. It's full of real people just like us. My family, um, not at all believing, but I picked up a really weird idea, which I'm sure you don't believe, but I think lots of people do outside the world. I got the idea that the disciples were perfect. Maybe it's because they're described as saints. Um, Josh, can we put that picture up? Maybe it's because the way they're depicted... I came from a village and I occasionally went to a village church. We had stained glass windows like this. And when you have old-fashioned artworks, quite often I think, isn't it? And they're the saints. And, um, you know, we don't go around with kind of flying saucers around our head, do we? (laughs) But the disciples were real people, just like us. The Bible's full of weak people who make mistakes. It's like God delights to choose people to work with that we never would. Why is that? Well, I think it's because he models hope for us. He moves in the life of people who are wholly unlikely to succeed, wholly unsuitable for the task that God has in mind. 
And God does that because he's God and he can do anything he wants to. Think about Jesus' birth parents. They were just so young, weren't they? Born in a stable. Why he didn't chose the Hilton or something, I would have done. Peter, you read any of his stuff, he kind of really lacked self-control, didn't he? Rahab, not an ideal occupation for a lady to be used by God. Joseph, with his coloured coat, really spoiled, bit of a show-off. David, the youngest, sure chosen by God because he was the youngest, the least powerful, actually then went on to have an affair with a married woman, had the husband killed. Joshua, I'm sure that you know that God said to Joshua twice, be strong and courageous. Actually, it says later on, Joshua 1.18, that also the Reubenites, Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh also said it. So not only was Joshua a bit of a scaredy cat, he was renowned amongst villages and towns. How scared was he that everybody knew that he needed to be strong and courageous? I find that really helpful, and I hope you do as well. God chooses unlikely people and turns their lives around. That means that he'll do the same for you, and he did the same for me, and continues to do so. I really love the character of Peter. I feel an affinity with him. I have a tendency to speak before I think and wear my heart on my sleeve. It's easier, it's easier to see faults of people like that, like me, and we can be hard on ourselves. So, have hope. God chooses people like us. Whether it's Peter or Rahab or Joseph, Joshua, Joseph, whose faults are so evident in the Bible, those people had adventures with God. They weren't perfect, but they were available, and God used them and was glorified in their lives. I did and do make mistakes in parenting. But I used to make the mistake of wishing that I was somebody else. When I saw the faults in my children, I thought if only my children were more like Tim, they would, have t- they would turn out better. <laughs> and although some of you may think two lots of Tim would be a good thing, actually, <laughs> hey, who knows, haven't been to New Day with me. <laughs> no. He was a wonderful husband, but a mum and a dad like him wouldn't be right. We mustn't compare ourselves with other people. God made us. He has a plan that involves exactly our skills and exactly our personality. We can be exactly who we are, but we need to keep close to him. Sometimes as well, I used to be fearful about the future and my wavering parenting skills. So then I would hold on to the nature of God, his goodness, and also his word. I knew that God loved me and my children and I could trust him even if I felt inadequate for the task. At times when I used to feel really wobbly, I would write out those verses and other verses and I would put them around the house. So if you're feeling wobbly, I'd encourage you to do that. I did used to put them inside the kitchen cupboard though so that people wouldn't think I was completely weird. But it was really helpful changing my mindset. Another really important thing about me moving on, improving in parenting skills, was God's presence. Of course, that's key all the time. But it's especially important when we're going into a new area, territory, or we're wanting to move on. That's when we think deeply about God, we meditate, we worship. It's so good on a Sunday morning when we have got really excellent musicians. We're surrounded by people who are singing to God for us to concentrate. But And you know other ways as well. CDs, in the car, internet. I like laying on the floor switching the lights off, helping me concentrate. Whatever way that you have, getting into God's presence is really important. 
so that we can focus on his priorities and not ours. A big key, I think, to getting close to God is making sure that you haven't got any barriers there. And unforgiveness is a barrier. Joshua, can you put those verses out? There are loads of verses there. I won't read them all out, actually. Psalm 32.1, Micah 7.18, Matthew 6.14, part of the Lord's Prayer. There's so many things in the Bible about needing to get rid of unforgiveness. Because God's the example. He forgives us. And there's such amazing things in there. But there's also a bit of a responsibility on us that we need to forgive because God forgave us. For me, it was really important to forgive my mum. I tried it myself, and, and I got a certain way, but I did need help. Some things I couldn't just forget by myself. And a key for me was to pray with others. And quite often that happened in a service. You know how it is when you hear a preach and you feel God pressing on your heart and something hurts and you know you've got to deal with it. I didn't used to be embarrassed to go up to the front whenever there was a call after a preach if people needed help with forgiveness because I wanted it dealt with. Forgiveness is such a priority for God and I didn't want it to get in the way. I think actually we're like a mirror for our children and actually for the people around us. They see us and we reflect Jesus. And I think sometimes unforgiveness is almost visible. It can lead to a hardening of our hearts, perhaps where we've been hurt and we've had to, like I said earlier, protect ourselves. It can lead to a bit of a hardness, actually. Underlying anger, hurt, bitterness, a closing off of parts of our heart. And actually, sometimes it can be almost seen. For my own sake, I wanted to be free of unforgiveness because I didn't want anything in the way of God. But also, I didn't want it to impact on the people around me. It took time, but I can definitely remember a time when I knew it had been dealt with. Tim and I were down visiting his sister at um, Hastings Church. And I remember there being a preach and um, somebody saying about needing help. And me suddenly realising that I had come to a point where I, it didn't hurt anymore and I didn't need to come up. I'm sure that will happen for you. If it's a big thing, just make sure that you deal with it and deal with all of it and you will come to freedom. Mm. I still have to forgive mum. She hasn't changed much, to be honest, but I have. It's like, through that process, I have got like a super highway. And if she says something or does something that hurts, I just bring it to God and it's dealt with really, really quickly because I'm practised at it. So I just want to encourage you to do the same. Mm. Finally, God's people. They were just such a help and continue to be so. All people are God's, actually, whether they're in the church or not, and they're all a resource to learn from. We can learn how to do things and how not to do them. With regards to parenting, I used to quiz people who I could see were doing well, and actually those who weren't as well. I didn't used to say to the ones who weren't doing well, I can see you're doing a terrible job. Can you tell me where you went wrong? (laughs) But it's amazing how many people complain, particularly about their teenage children. So many people, I bet you've had this as well, that when you've got toddlers or babies, they say to you, just you wait till they're teenagers. And I used to think, I don't think you know how hard it is right now. (laughs) But... When they said that, it, it used to make me frightened. I used to think, oh no, what's going to happen? I'm going to wake, wake up and this teenager's going to emerge and it's going to be awful. So I used to ask them about it. Anybody. I can remember giving blood opposite 
where we lived and talking to a nurse who was complaining about her teenage children. I used to talk to anybody. Nobody was spared because I wanted to know. <laughs> Actually, when you do talk to people, they are quite honest and open often. They'll say things like, I wish I had done such and such. I did this and I shouldn't have done. So actually all people can be a resource. Learning from God's people is obviously the absolute best. You've got access to people with the best guide of all, God. But we need to ask their advice. If you see people succeeding in an area that you're not, you need to talk to them. You need to go out for coffee with them, have a beer, meal. The most valuable conversations that are going to take place are not going to take place here on a Sunday morning for 10 minutes when everybody's rushed and people are trying to keep their eye on the kids and things. We need to invest time. And then who to choose? Well, in the church, yes, obviously we've got family members, but in the church you want to choose people who you've known over a long time, who you've seen coming here week in, week out. Not just the people who come when their lives are together and then we don't see them because they're under pressure. The people who we can see walking with us whilst they're going through difficult things. Those are consistent people and people we can trust. People who are in the same season of life of us is really, really nice and encouraging. I remember talking to one friend and just having to admit to her at times I felt so bored with very young babies. And just, I needed to say it because I felt guilty. And she said, yeah, it is boring, isn't it? They never say anything. <laughs> <laughs> it was such an encouragement because, good, I'm not the only one. <laughs> but also talking to people who are further on, who've done it, and they can encourage you and say, yeah, that is a season, but it gets better. Don't look for obvious people. Don't just look to the leaders. First of all, because we haven't got it sorted. And second of all, because our church is full of absolute gems. So I, I can imagine loads of you have got like gold badges. You know, maybe when, um, when your guides or scouts, you get these badges for achievement, don't you? I think that some of us have got invisible gold badges of parenting, of trusting God in finances, of dealing with difficult people and families, loads of different stuff that we are all a resource and actually, we're only going to know about those if you spend time with them. Mm. We have midweek meetings every couple of weeks, and I love them. They are a time when we can be real. I've never known a season in our church where we have such reality, and it's so good. And we have a laugh, and we look at God's word, and we share, occasionally cry, obviously, because there's ladies there. <laughs> but it is good. And the men's group, and all the different things that go on. If you can't go to those, then you can have people around for coffee. You can go out for a meal with them. You can have a drink with them. You can't make a good choice who to talk to if you just guess. You need to get to know people, get to know what golden badges they've got, and spend time with them. If people are coming to us, however, that is a real privilege, but we've got responsibilities in that. You need to listen first and not jump in. I speak to myself here. It's possible to hurt people with quick words of advice. It's much, much better to be alongside that person, suffering with them for a season, praying with them, not standing back and diagnosing what's wrong with them. And we need to call out the gold in them that's there already. There will be gold. Even if that person feels an out-and-out failure, they are like God because God made them and chose them. There is good stuff in their lives. And it really encourages them when we call it out. 
That's not like some motivational tool. It's what happened in the Old Testament. You know, before the Israelites gained any new ground, they used to remind each other of all the good stuff that God had done already. So it's a biblical thing to do. And we mustn't take the responsibility away from people to do their own stuff with God. We're not social workers. We can't carry people's burdens for them. They need to do that walk themselves. But we can encourage them and pray with them, give them any tips that we've learned. But they need the walk and the victory for themselves. So, parenting is a process, whatever it is. Whether, uh, sorry, parenting is a process, and like lots of other things, we can apply the things that I've said. So, whatever you're facing today, I want you to consider the character and the ways of God. Let him fill you with hope because he's got really amazing plans for you. Spend time in God's presence, because it's really enjoyable. It's one of the best things you'll do, whatever happens in your day. And it does give you insight and strength to tackle challenges. Read God's word. It's full of truth and encouragement, and helps you change your mindset from maybe what you're thinking to what God's thinking. And spend time with God's people. They are an amazing source of wisdom and encouragement, and they're provided by God just for you. I'm going to leave you with this last verse. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Amen. Amen. Amen.